0: If you've been uh, with us as we've gone through the book of Romans, we're in chapter 7, and you see that there were three parts to chapter 7. We have seen the first two parts. We're seeing the whole overall topic of chapter 6 and 7 is on the subject of sanctification, and we will finish that subject of sanctification today, and then we'll go into chapter 8, which is a wonderful and glorious chapter for certain. Now, when we take a look at the subject here, we notice in Paul's life as he's writing to uh, the believers in Rome, we, he helps us to understand our relationship with Christ and also versus with our relationship with the law. And he's come, he came out of the law, so we understood how much of a transformation that had to take place in his life, going from this religious, law-based, driven life, to a life of based on grace and not the law. And so we see Paul here is continuing to struggle and agonize over this transformation that he's taking through and he's trying to get it straight in his mind and live a life that is different than his old life that he came out of, of the religious leader, and look, learning after being converted how to live this 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 new covenant in relationship with christ and this struggle is played out here certainly in the first part of chapter 7 but clearly it struggles because he really puts it on words on paper what is in his head and what he's struggling with and that is so true that how much like paul he knows what to do how much to do it but how how to do it itself to actually put it in actions that's the struggle that all of us go through as paul is going through i know what to do i I know this i know it word for word but to actually practically do it and live it day by day so it's who i am it's like breathing that is what i agonize over that's what i struggle with i know i'm supposed to stop that i know it's sin I, i clearly know it's destroying my life but i try and i try but i keep falling short why is that i'm just struggling with this thing And in chapter seven, we saw that clearly what we know Paul is telling us what the the Bible uh, can do for us, the law can do for us, but but we also know that what the, the law can't do for us, and that's what we'll see. So in the first part of chapter seven, verses one through six, we saw that the we were freed from the law. We we were to die to the law. And Paul used the illustration, if you remember, the marriage relationship. That when a spouse dies, then the other spouse is free to remarry. And then we saw in verses 7 through 13, the subject of being convicted of sin by the law and we see the fact that the law is holy it's good it's just and and we see that the, the law is like an x-ray it takes a look and it examines your inward attitude your heart it say exa- not uh, your outward cuz boy how so many times we can look healthy on the outside look good on the outside and act like a certain things, but inside, when the the law brings to light the X rays of what is truly hidden, what's going on in your head and what's inside your attitude, and that's what the law does. It l- opens up and shines a light on the inside, so that you and I can see what possibly is going wrong. So last week we saw that the law reveals sin in our life. We saw that the law stirs up sin in our life, and we saw that the law kills uh, someone who has lived by the law because the law shows how the how much the darkness of sin is within our life and that can be a very heavy subject last week very very he- heavy subject and unfortunately and fortunately at the same time it's it's going to be liberating today that we're going to see it's a very heavy topic again that paul lays out because you're going to see and he's revealing what's in his head and it's a pretty heavy thing because it relates to you and i we, we we understand that it plays out in our own life day by day and we will see that put out here on paper uh, by paul but the law is just, it's holy, it's good, and it reveals, as we saw last week, the characteristics and the need of a Savior, Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.24 says, therefore, the law was a, our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Because remember, our faith is justified by faith in Christ alone. It's faith alone in Christ alone. That is how we are saved, and there is no other way. And so we see here as we pick back up here in verse 14 of chapter 7 of Romans, Paul continues this train of thought today in the third section dealing with our relationship with the law. And we see that Paul understood that the law cannot do and we are not saved by the law we are not saved by the law so to try to feel like we can just follow the do's and don'ts and checklists okay i didn't do that today I didn't do that today oh i'm really doing god god you must really love me today because i'm not doing that again today that is not how we live our lives he loves us it's based on faith in jesus christ alone and that's what saves us now he's in the he's just loving the fact that he has the, the he's in your life and now he's going to start transforming you and i and allowing him to do that work in us and we will see that here in verses 14 through 25 so here in Romans chapter 7 verse 14 it says for we know that the law is spiritual but i am cardinal sold under sin so paul starts right off by being really very real to to the fact that he understood but didn't understand the fact that the okay i know the law is spiritual i know it's good i know it's right it's god's word it's it is it is i can follow it i can believe it i can hold tight to it i understand that the law is spiritual but i am carnal. i live by the flesh i have struggled with my flesh on a day-to-day basis because paul understood the struggle and that x-ray results showing hey the x-ray turned on by using the law and saying, hey, you're cardinal. You're still living by the flesh. You think you're in control. You think you know everything. You think you've got this all figured out. You think, and you're using your own strength to make, create your own life, but that is cardinal. That's just flesh. That's not living by the spirit. And he understood that. He understood that battle of his flesh, how much that Controls him. The word "cardinal" in the Greek is "sarkikos," which means to characterize by the flesh. Your life is characterized by your flesh, or you're very earthly. You just live by the moment. You live by the feelings, emotions, and and you let your flesh uh, control that mind of yours, and it plays out in your actions and your words because you want what you want, when you want it, and how much you want it. So it comes out in your words. It comes out in your attitude. It comes out in your facial expressions, like can't believe you're turning me down. I can't believe you're not getting me what I got. And, and so you see that coming out in our flesh because we know, like Paul, we can be very cardinal when we don't get our way. And so he's struggling with this because I thought I just had to follow the law and everything was going to be better. Once I gave my life to Christ, I thought the sin was just going to go away. No, it doesn't go away. You're, you're still living in this fleshly body that you have. Until you're glorified and until you're going home to heaven, you're going to have to deal with that. And we, we're going to see Paul playing this out here in his words. But Paul sees this carnality in himself. He knows that the law, he knows that he's spiritual, and he has no answer for his cardinal nature. He realizes he's not saved by the law. He tried that for years as the, part of the Sanhedrin. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He tried the law way. And now he's given his life to Christ, and he's still trying to go through that transformation and trying to not live by the flesh. Paul understood that he was sold under sin here in this verse. That Paul is in under bondage, under sin, and that the law can't keep him from out of that. It's like a man who's arrested for a crime and thrown in jail. The law will only help him if he is innocent. But Paul knows that he is guilty of the fleshly things he thinks and does, and he knows that the law argues against him, not for him in this situation. And Even though Paul says that he is, he is carnal, it doesn't mean that he wasn't a Christian. His awareness of his carnality was very evident because he, God had been, is doing a work in him and is bringing conviction to his life. He, he's being convicted every time he knows he's living by the flesh. He's convicted that you know, you know that God is working in your life. Because remember, before Christ, it didn't convict you. You could live a sinful life and you actually enjoyed it and you had no problem with it. You could practice it and we were looking forward to it. You didn't struggle trying to stay away from it and keep walking from it. That's a good indication if you're saved or not. If you're convicted of your sin and you don't want it, you recognize, "Oh, I'm a sinful, wicked man. I got to get away from this stuff. I wanna, don't want to go back to the old life." And Paul, so Paul was dealing with this. He understood because Paul was not living for the flesh here. Don't get confused by these words. He's not living for the flesh. He was, but he was living by the flesh. He thought he could do everything in his own power, in his own wisdom, and in his own strength. And that's where he was coming falling short because. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're not wise enough. You're not resourceful enough. You don't have your network strong enough to make sure everything comes to the way you want it. You are going to fall short, and you're going to lean back onto the flesh. So Paul was not lusting for the, for the lust of the flesh or the pride of life or lust of the eyes. As we see in Scripture, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. That is worldliness. That's not how he was living. But he was living by the power of his own flesh. He thought he was good enough to make this all work see the, the law is holy and just because it came from the holy god who is perfectly just in all that he says and all that he does the law is good and it reveals god's holiness to us and it helps us and but it reveals how much more we need a savior through this life that we live and just because the law is spiritual it deals that x-ray or that shows and deals with that inner man of you and i and that spiritual part of us and also what is being coming outwardly because it's that's bait it's producing a fruit outwardly that's reflecting what's inside your life see our natural is cardinal it's fleshly our natural man our old man it's just a natural fleshly person that's what ruled our lives But the law is natural, is spiritual. But Paul was in that struggle, living on his own power, his own strength, trying to do what is right. I'm going to do what is right today. I'm going to do what is right today. I'm not going to do this today. I'm not going to stay away. And he, he tried to pump himself up. I can just do it. If I just keep the little train that could. I'm just going to go up the hill. But he falls short constantly falling short, constantly doing good for a few days, but then becomes weak. And sometimes the flesh can become weak just because you didn't eat, or you're physically tired, you're stressed out. The things of this world will drain you, and all of a sudden you get drained physically, then you'll get drained mentally. It's only a matter of time you start falling back into the old ways, and you'll react in a fleshly way. You've heard me say hangry so many times. The emotional response. Look at our kids who live by the flesh at this point in time as a young age. It just comes out so easily for them because it's natural for them because their flesh is what drives their emotions. And we see it and hear it uh, very clearly down the hall sometimes. (laughs) But he recognized, Paul recognized that the law cannot change him. cannot transform his old nature and it only revealed how sinful that old nature truly is and that struggle was real for him and so Paul goes on here in verse 15 he says for what I am doing I do not understand for what I will to do that I do not practice but what I hate that I do oh probably one of the most quoted as we struggle through the transformation in our lives Oh, I really want to do what is right. I want that to be just practice and just be natural in my life. But why don't I do what is right and good? But then on the things I hate, I don't want to do those things anymore. Why do I do those? Why do I even think about those? Why do I even turn to look at going back to those things? So Paul is frustrated. He's struggling over this part of his life, his old nature. And he goes on, obviously, in verse, not only here in verse past 14 but verse 18 and 20 he says this over and over in this passages today and how much he he struggles with the fact that he knows what is right to do but he struggles doing it practically doing it and it's true also true that the holy spirit dwells in us not only does the old nature the flesh dwells with us, but the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and we will see that in Romans chapter 8 as Paul explains how the Spirit of God enables and empowers us to do and to live this victorious life. That's why chapter 8 is such a great chapter. We get through these heavy chapters 6 and 7 of how the fact that we're just dirty, rotten sinners to the core, and we, we cannot do anything in our own power, and we need the Holy Spirit to, for us to have victory, and we see that in chapter 8, so hold on just hold on we're getting into chapter eight and things get much much better in regards to that but here in our text Paul came to an understanding but then at the same time he didn't understand his problem what is his main problem why he can't do what is right but he always seems to do what he is not right but Paul's problem wasn't his, wasn't his desire like you and I we have a desire to do right we don't wake up in the morning as a Christian and say, I can't wait to sin, and I can't wait to destroy someone else's life or my life and my family's life. I can't wait to do that. Now, we used to. We used to wake up and say, it's Friday, it's drunk night tonight. Get the beer. Hey, we're going to have a great time. Get as many people as you can. We're going to get drunk. We're going to party. We're just going to. That's the old life. But as a Christian, you don't think that way anymore. You know, that that, that that brought destruction. It just brought emptiness. It, it didn't help in your life. So you don't wake up and do that anymore as a Christian. That's not how you think. That's, but it doesn't mean that the struggle is not there. It doesn't mean that your buddies from the past are not going to call you and try to get you to come back and do that. Right? It's still that flesh still drives that. But see, Paul's desire, he wants to do what is right. He says right here, what I will to do that I do not practice. I really do want to practice what is good and right. His problem is not his knowledge. He was very smart. He he knew exactly what God's word said. He knows what is right. He knows what he should be doing. But the problem that Paul has and we have is that he lacked the power to actually follow through and do it. lacks the power that the law does not give. The law does not give you the power to do what it says to do. Only God himself, the Holy Spirit, can do that. So Paul knows what to do, but he doesn't do it. And we all have that problem, that battle as we've seen through this book of Romans, the battle between the flesh and the spirit. There's a battle that's constant all day long. Every day throughout the week, we're constantly in the battle. Even Peter understood this in 1 Peter 2.11. Fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Even Paul says in Galatians, Galatians 5.17. For the, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. All the struggles that the flesh puts us through how we have to die of the flesh. But we see here the answer. We know between right and wrong. God gives us the ability to know right from wrong. We know the right thing to do, but we just do not know how to do it. We try to do it in our power. We try to do it in our own strength. We try to do it in our own wisdom. We try to even rely on someone else's wisdom. Oh, if I just get the really smart people around to tell me how to go and about to go do this, they can can help me plan my life. No, no, no. That's going to leave you very short and empty very quickly. Not to say it's not great counsel and, you know, good counsel with, you know, godly It comes good wisdom, great wisdom that can come with that. But but if you rely on that only and not on the power of the Holy Spirit, not by God's wisdom through his word, then you're going to fall short like everybody else. Think about this in practical respect. How many of you had New Year's resolutions that lasted for, for five days? How about you who diet? How many of you have tried to diet? How long did that last you when you tried to do it in your own strength, in your own power, in your own fe- by your own feelings? How about working out? How many of, uh, of us tried to do the workout? I'm going to work out. I'm going to do this. and I'm gonna do that. How quickly have you fallen short when you've tried to rely on your own strength to do those things? I mean, I see this even practically played out in my life. Where you go to a all you could eat buffet. I know I shouldn't go for seconds and thirds. I just know it. But for some reason, that flesh really wants seconds and thirds. And convinces me that I'm not hungry. I'm, I'm still hungry. Because the flesh will practically drive you beyond what you should be consuming of this world. Now, in verse 16, Paul says, if then... I do what I will not to do. I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. So Paul is saying, yes, spirit, the the law is is good, is just, it's, you know, totally it's, it's it's this is really good, but what the law does is it proves the law is good, but it also proves that I am no good. That the problem is not with the law, but the problem is with the sin in me. I have inherited this sinful nature right from birth, as we all studied before. Even Romans 5.12, Paul says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, this death spread to all men because all sinned. We were all born sinners. We know this. We've studied this. The fact that one man's sin is brought about the sinful nature for all mankind, and we are born a sinner by the sin of Adam and Eve. Psalm fifty-one five says, "Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me." We were born a sinful with a sinful nature. Now, that speaks to us in our life it, it practically on this side of heaven we can see that we are no good rotten sinners that need to be saved and once we're saved we need to be transformed and that process is different for all of us and how God goes about working in your life in the timing of working things that are flesh driven and that isn't they going to be spirit driven as we will see Practically, I mean positionally, positionally, we know Christ has made us perfect in him. Colossians 128, we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Hebrews ten fourteen. for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are been being sanctified. Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. So because of our identity, because we have died to Christ, he has made us perfect positionally. But practically living this life out, we are still have nothing good in this flesh that we carry. Galatians 5 verses 19 through 21. And until we get and become glorified when we go to heaven, uh, Romans eight eight thirty then we will be dealing with this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And we all deal with it. All of us deal with that on a daily basis. And so Paul is coming to this realization of who he is, that he is not a justification for his actions because it shouldn't justify his sinful actions. That's why he said early on, when people were questioning, well, you mean I can just live a sinful life and grace is going to abound? I can live however I want because I'm saved? He said, certainly not. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, he's being real, saying, I struggle with my flesh. It, it rears up its ugly head at times. As much as I have a desire, as much as I know I'm not supposed to do it, why do I keep doing it? Because remember, we are not sinners because we sin. No, no, that's not the reason why we sin. We sin because we are sinners. So as he, Paul continues here in verse 18, he says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Nothing good dwells. For, the, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. He has not figured this out yet. In verse 19, for the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. See, the world tells us, if you listen to the world and the talking heads, they'll tell you basically you are good. Deep down in, you just need to love yourselves a little bit more here. You need to empower yourselves. Let me give you the 10 steps to empower yourself to be greatness. We just need a little more esteem of yourselves. We need a little more control of our destiny. And let me show you how you will do it. You really need to think about you. That, 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 that self-talk or that talking head that's trying to tell you is going against what the scriptures tell you. I'm not telling you you shouldn't have an esteem, high esteem. I'm not telling you you should not feel good about yourself and all these other things. But it doesn't come from you because nothing good dwells in you, the, the scripture says. So if there's nothing good in you, nothing good is going to come from you. It is only by you going to the one good and only, God, Jesus himself, and allowing him to do that through your life, that is what's going to lift you up and change you. That's why the world doesn't, you don't want to seek after the wisdom and the counsel of this world. Because they will teach you something opposite of what the scripture tells you. The one who created you. See, the Bible says we are to die daily, 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I am to die daily to self. We need to die a self. We are then liberated. We are then come to the realization that we don't have the strength, the ability, and the goodness that we just have to figure out and find out where that's tucked deep within me to come and bring it out because they're going to coach it out of me. They're going to counsel me up from it. one of the things that's liberating is that there is no expectation is placed on us from God. God doesn't put expectation on us. He is never disappointed of us. It's not like you can sin and say, God, say, oh, I can't believe you did that. I didn't know you were going to do that. That's amazing. That shocked me. I am so displeased with you. Now, don't get me wrong. (laughs) He looked at me. Why do you do? I I gave you, I gave all the conviction, I gave you the, the way out of that situation. You didn't take it. And he's right there to, to bring you and, and, and love you, And but he's also there going to chastise you and, just, and, and correct you and, and change you because that is what he does. Because as a child of his, he doesn't want you to continue to make the same mistakes over and over. He's going to work those out of you and correct you. But he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not shocked by the things you're going to do and have done. God knows all things. There's nothing good in me. He knows that. And when we realize there's nothing good in us and we realize that God is not putting expectation on us, he just wants us to follow him. He wants us to just praise him and love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength and let him empower and enable us to do the things he's going to call us to do. the problem is not what to do it's how to do it the legalist would say obey the law and you will do good and live a good life that's how a legalist thinks but the law only reveals and arouses sin showing how sinful it is and we have a sinful nature that rebels against the laws we've already studied so what do we do what do we do then Well, the Bible speaks that many will have, even very meaningful teachers and pastors will tell you and try to constantly explain to you what to do, but they don't explain to you how to do it. They'll tell you, do the 12 steps. They'll They'll tell you that you need to do five things. You need to do this checklist every day. You need to demonstrate and get out and act like you're putting on the old clothes and you need to just literally play it out in your mind and neurologically restructure your mind so that you're thinking positively and if you just don't talk negatively and you do just talk positively, you're going to change and it's going to be a good life. Try that for a while, please. Then come tell me how it worked for you. There's thousands have tried that. But what are we to do? But more importantly, how do we do it? How am I supposed to live this life as this Christian life? Well, the answer is all about Jesus. It's not the work of the flesh that you can do. It is the work of the Holy Spirit doing through you. Ezekiel 4, 6 says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's the Spirit of God that does the work. Yes, we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit that's trying to do the work in you and I. But we also need to allow him to do that work in us. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we see in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and to all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's the power that will happen. It's not just Fixing your life. He's looking and saying, Yes, I've I've saved you. Your, your, your position is in heaven. You're you have an eternity with me. You're you've been changed. I want to change you in a way that you become a light and a beacon and a, and in a in a, a, a vessel used all the way to the ends of the earth for me. You're just trying to get your life straight, and I'm saying, I've already got your life straight. Just follow me. I'm gonna take you to the ends of the earth, and you're gonna. People's lives are going to change by seeing what I've done in your life. You'll be a witness for me. But we have a choice. When we come to Christ, are we going to continue to live in the flesh? Or are we going to choose to allow the spirit to live in the spirit, to have the spirit work through us? Because Ezekiel 4-7, as he continues, it says, it is God's grace. That's the resource." for you and I to live victorious a victorious Christian life. And when as you those who love him it's through our obedience to what he reveals to us as we spend time with him in prayer and in the word he reveals to us and all we have to do is be immediate obedience regardless of how we feel. we to be obedient. We're to desire to follow Him, and but we need the Holy Spirit to empower us and enable us to do what God wants us to do. Romans 1:5 says, "Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name. He even gives us the strength in the faith to be obedient to him. Now back in verse 21 here in Romans 7, Paul continues says, I find then a law, that evil, that evil, the law of evil, is present with me. The one who wills to do good. See, the, so we're going to see four laws here as we finish up this, this chapter. The first law is the law of evil, or the law of the flesh. And we all have that. And that's what causes us to have the battle. That's the one side of the, of the war. And the other one is the spirit. So there's this battle between the flesh and the spirit. This law of evil. That's, it's, it's, a, it's a law. You're not going to get around it. In the fact that it's present in your life. It's that believer's old nature. And it wants to keep you and I, as Paul says, in bondage. Yes, you've been set free by Christ. But your flesh still wants to keep you in bondage. Continue to do the same simple things, simple ways, and living worldly ways. And we realize that when you come to Christ, you are so determined. I don't want to go back to that old life. And as you're learning and, and growing in your understanding of, of Christ and in the, who the Holy Spirit is working through you, you and I quickly find out how hard it is to stop sinning until we st- we try with all of our power, with all of our energy, and all of our time, and all the seeking, all the counsel, and we try, and we try, and we try, and we still, we do it good for a while, but then we fall short, and we go back to the old way. Then you quickly, after a few times, a few rounds in the, in the, in the ring, you quickly find out when you're flat on your back, there's got to be a different way. But here's what the challenge I find is there's one or two ways you're going to go with this. When you find yourself on your back and you've tried to do this Christian thing for a while, you're going to finally completely surrender and trust and allow God to do the work. Or you're going to get out of the ring and you're just saying, I'm not going to fight anymore. I'm just going to go back. to." It was so much easier just to be the drunk, the alcoholic, the sex addict, whatever, liar, cheater, steal, whatever it is that was controlling my life. I'd rather just go back to that so much simpler it seemed like. And people just fade. They drift away. They go back to the old life. That's what the enemy would like you to do and I to do. But that is not what God wants for you. He doesn't want you to be the prodigal son or daughter. He wants you to stay right there. Stay in the ring. He will fight your battle for you. Just let him just keep seeking after Him daily throughout the day, and He will fight battle after battle. He'll He'll help you take punch after punch after punch. He's already given you victory. You just have to remember you've got to stay in the ring. He's already given you victory. He's going to hold your arm up at the end. It's not gonna. B- it's not even close in scoring. You've already won. You just need to understand and see how God sees it. But no one knows how bad he is until he tries to be good. (laughs) And when you try to be good, you come to realize, oh, how wicked I really am. When you try to overcome your old nature by the law, you're just making the old nature stronger. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. And then Paul says in verse 22, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. So we, now we see the second law here. First law, the law of evil. Now we see the law of God. And it speaks to the word of God. That is the law of God is the word of God. It says the inward man or, or that born again state, that Christianity state that we find ourselves in is a change based on hearing God's word and being transformed or converted. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, therefore, do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day by the word of of God. The the law of God, the word of God is renewing you and I as we stay in the word of God. That's where the transformation, the newness comes. That's our water, that's our feeding, that's what refreshes us, that's what's going to give us life. Psalm one, verses one and two: "Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the of the Lord, and his law in his law he meditates day and night." That's what transforms you and I by being in the Word of God day and night, pondering on it. And seeking after and sharing and talking about the things of God. That's what's going to help you and I. Give us the empowerment to live a victorious Christian life. So why is that important? Is it just for a short period of time? Is it just initially just to get saved and after that I can live however I want. I can go back to the old worldly books and study those and read all the latest top ten that's out there in the business world that's going to help me be successful? No. We are to delight in the word of God, not just passively. Oh, I have it on my coffee table. It looks good for everyone to see that I have a Bible. No, no. It is to partake. We are to take in daily of the word of God. It is a picture of how much we actually delight in God himself. We, we see it very clearly. John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory and the glory is all, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So God himself, Jesus himself, is the word of God. He brings out. So the more you're in the word of God, the more that it reflects a picture of your relationship with Jesus himself. So when someone says to me, oh, I love Jesus. Then I say, what is your favorite book? How much time do you spend in the word of God? How much do you love and delight talking about the word of God? When things don't the things are not clear, who do you turn to for the wisdom and understanding what to do in the situation you find yourself in? Who is it? is the word of God is Jesus Christ so if you turn to him that tells me and tells myself how much I really delight in my relationship with Jesus not the do's and don'ts not the law because the law is not going to save you but my relationship does that's where I turn are we delighting in the word of God? Do we love the word of God? Our love for Jesus is in direct proportion for our love for Jesus Christ himself. But Paul says in verse 23, but I see another law in my members. I see another one in my life. Where, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity and to the law of sin which is in my members. So the third law that we see, we saw the law of evil, saw the law of God, the word of God, but we see a third law, the law of the mind. The flesh, the spirit, and the mind. That is what we're made up of. The mind speaks of you and me. We are made up of three parts. Body Soul and spirit. This is called the trichotomy of a human being. The trichotomy. Paul speaks of this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctify you completely. Completely change you. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The body speaks of the flesh that we've been talking about. Our soul speaks of our conscience or our mind that we're—he's referring to here in the law of the mind, and of course he's been talking about the spirit as well, the Holy Spirit, coming and dwelling within us. See, when we're born and when we're before we become uh, born again, we're our our priority or how we live our life is our flesh was dominant, then our conscience, that mind of ours. Then our spirit was, it was dead. It wasn't alive yet. So the body, the flesh, drove our emotions. It drove our mind. It drove what we thought and did in our actions. Because the spirit was not in control. But once we're born again, once we're saved, and the spirit of God himself comes in and dwells, and we become alive spiritually, everything changes. That's why it's a changed life. It should be a change. Your life should not be the same because now the spirit is on top. And the spirit is what drives what you think and how you feel and what you do in your actions. The flesh is buried. It's dead in Christ. Why is that important? Well, you already know it's important. It's already flowing in your mind. When your flesh drives your emotions, you make very bad decisions. We go to very bad places in our mind and play it out in our actions if it's allowed to. But if you let the Spirit of God that lives within you, you're the temple of God, allow Him to dominate your mind, allow it to transform your mind, and it's only through the the renewing of your mind or transformed by the word of god that's the only way now your mind your emotions your conscience your actions will line up with the spirit and not with the flesh any longer and that is how we live victoriously in this flesh until we're glorified and we're home with christ romans eight eleven, as we will see next week more likely but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you he dwells in you as a believer we see it even in first Peter 2 11 and Galatians seven seventeen. the flesh wars against the spirit this 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 flesh does not like being on bottom. Doesn't like to be pinned to the ground. Doesn't like to want to be tapped out. He wants to get back on top and dominate your life. And that's where there's the battle. So the question is, if you see anyone battling, the question you should ask yourselves, what are you battling over? Husbands and wives. Have you ever been in a battle? Have you ever stopped and asked the question as a husband and wife, what are you battling over? Is it of the flesh? Yes. Is it of the spirit? You wouldn't be battling. You'd be glorifying and praising together. And so what we see is what is the fight is taking place in you and I when we have that fight between the spirit and the flesh. It's right here. It's fighting over your mind. The flesh wants to control your mind, but God Himself, your spirit, wants to control your mind. And whatever you think, whatever comes in your mind, will come out and play out within your actions, comes out of your mouth, and it sure reflects in your attitude. Pastor Chuck taught me, when I first got saved many ta- years ago when I was listening to all of his teachings taught that the one the one you feed is the one that's going to be healthy and dominant if you feed the spirit spirit will dominate and your actions there'll be good fruit that will bear from your life but if you feed your flesh it's only a matter of time the things of the flesh will dominate and will become dominant in your actions and your thoughts and your motives and how you live your life So which one do you feed? Feeding the spirit is by being in the word of God, being in prayer, being in godly fellowship. That is how you feed the spirit. That is how we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. But we also see here in verse 23 the fourth law, the law of sin. The flesh serves the law of sin. It's fighting for the control of your mind and, and, and if I do it by the flesh or the law of sin. If I just follow the those sinful law, that I just, okay, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to live however I want to live because I'm going to figure this out. I'm strong enough, smart enough. It's only a matter of time that the law of sin is going to win out and you will be pinned on your back and crying out for mercy. As Paul struggles and agonizes over this, oh. And we see his response here in verse 24. You see clearly his response because he just so many times finds himself falling into the law of sin, falling in his own flesh. And Paul understood this. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, how wretched I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Do you notice he didn't say, how do I get delivered from this, this, this body of death? What's the steps I need to follow? What program do I need to reach out to? What social organization was going to help me? He sees and realizes it's who will deliver. And in your Bibles, it should be a capital W. Who being the deity of Jesus Christ. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And that's why he says in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He understood that it was not how, it's not what, but who will deliver him from this flesh. Oh, so many times we can say it, we've said it to them, oh, God doesn't care got bigger things to deal with. Why would he worry about me? He's got worldly issues and problems to deal with. No. (laughs) He's personally involved with you. It's called personal relationship. If you don't have a personal relationship, you're right. You have a bigger problem. You need that relationship with him. You really do. You need to be surrendered to him. You need to Come to the end of yourself and say, like Paul said, Oh, how wretched I am. How I need to be saved from this, this body of death that I'm carrying, that's weighing me down, that's, that's depleting me of my just sanity. I'm going insane over these things that I'm dealing with. And he says, Oh, wretched of a man. I know I need Jesus Christ. That's, that's the answer. That's who I need who I need to constantly go to and seek after and to hear from. That is who's going to deliver me. Because no one else will do it. No one else can do it. Because Paul finally is looking outside of himself and realize I've tried to look inside and do it all myself. Figured it all out. But I'm going to stop looking out. I'm going to stop looking in, in and seek after Jesus as he as he looks to Jesus and he thanks God he starts praising God he thanks him and it's because it's through Jesus Christ that he can have this new life that's why he says so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God serve with I be obedient to whatever the word of God says I am to do he understands he acknowledges his struggle we too we need to acknowledge our struggle that we sometimes find ourselves in, living by the flesh and not by the spirit. But thank God that He has given us victory through Jesus Christ. Paul doesn't pretend here that by turning and just turning to Jesus that your struggles just go away. He understands that he's turned his life to Jesus, but the struggle's still there. So he's still now he's trying to figure out why is that still there. But he understands as, as, as we grow as we see here in chapter 8, he now comes to realize not only will you come to Jesus and you're saved, but then you keep coming back and allowing and asking. All you have to do is ask the Holy Spirit, God himself, to do that work of transformation in our lives. So we now live by the, in the Spirit and not by the flesh. Because Jesus works through us, not instead of us in the battle against sin works through us the glorious truth remain there is victory in Jesus don't forget this through every battle you have victory in Jesus he's already went to the cross he already died for your sins he has rose from the dead he is in heaven waiting to come back he's interceding for you and I and he's coming back for us. He's got victory. That's what you must hold on to regardless of how you feel in the battle. and You've taken the punches. You think you're going down again. Get back up because he's going to pick you right back up. Jesus didn't come and die just to give us more or better rules. So many times people today say, oh, I come to curse this Christian life. All these do's and don'ts, all these rules and regular, all this law. How am How is one to keep it? He didn't come to give you law. He came to fulfill the law. But he came to give you life so you can live a victorious life through as a believer. The message of the gospel is that there is victory over sin. There is victory over your hate. There is victory over your death. There is victory over this evil. There is a a victory to life we can live today in this world. Waiting for him to come back for us. this victory as we continue to die daily, surrendering our lives to Jesus and letting him live out victory through us. And we will be in that spiritual battle, yes, until we are glorified when he takes us home. Paul shows even though the law is glorious and it's good, it's just, it's right, the law is. It can't save us. We need a Savior. And Paul never found any peace. It never caused him to praise God by following the law. Or looking internally to himself. Oh, look at what I've done. Oh, I'm so good. I'm so saying that and i'll just wait and watch and i in my own life and in your own life you just keep saying that and all of a sudden just a few days from now weeks from now or months from now you'll be right flat back on your back again think oh how wretched of a man i am how i need jesus see a believer is united to christ he is dead to the law no longer under the authority of that law But he lives and is alive to God and able to draw on the power of God, the Holy Spirit, because it is not by might. It's not by your power, not by power. It's by his spirit, says the Lord. For we are not saved by the law. Let us pray.